Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we are back from Chicago. Week one is in the books for the Packers, and it's an uplifting 10-3 victory over the Chicago Bears. Now, for all the preview shows we did leading up to the game, if you had said... Uh, Hey, Mike, you remember that game, the week 17 of 2010, when the Packers beat the Bears 10 to 3? It's going to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody would have uh, believed you, but it's week one in the NFL, and you absolutely never know what kind of game you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get, and you don't know how quickly the helium can be taken out of the balloon if you're looking <laughs> at like the Chicago Bears. I mean, you and I were in the city. For 24 hours before this game, there was such a vibrance in the air. There oh, was man. so much excitement. And Everybody walking around in the streets wearing Bears jerseys. It was it was incredible. And you had Sidarius Preston Smith, Adrian Amos just put a small, slow stranglehold on that enthusiasm yeah. in this matchup. And, and you and I were discussing it as we got into the studio this morning. I mean, one of the most complete, dominant defensive performances the Packers have seen in the last few number of years. I said it was one of the stingiest performances of the past decade when you go back and look at some of these things. They gave up three points, and that was after that they'd, they'd been given, the Bears had been given the ball at the 36-yard line. Right. I mean, just to see five sacks, 11 passes defensed, uh, or 11 quarterback hits, nine passes defensed, an interception right. from Amos. There's so many things you can talk about with this matchup. but Three out of 15 on third down for the Chicago, and 0 for 2 on fourth down. Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest stat, though, the Green Bay Packers were able to go into Soldier Field and pick up a game after when, you know, 10 to 3. Uh, there, It is a catapulting, as you said, uplifting victory. When you see the sidelines, the way they reacted to it, the way the players were in the locker room, there was a lot of jubilation over what a lot of people would say would be a, a relatively boring, if you looked at only the statistics, sure. you know, the, the score uh, affair. Well, it is the first time the Packers have won a game scoring 10 or fewer points since the 10-3 to game at the end of the regular season in 2010. And I actually also saw a stat on somebody's uh, little TV screen when we were flying back on the plane in the middle of the night that last year, apparently, throughout the entire NFL season, only two teams were able to win a game scoring 10 or fewer points in the entire 2018 NFL season. So this kind of thing doesn't happen every day, but uh, hats off to the Packers defense. And in particular, the free agent spending spree yeah. of Brian Gutekunst in early March, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, they all had a tremendous impact on this football game. Well, and that's the part of this thing that, that is so interesting in my regard is that you had three marquee players at the Packers sign on the defensive side of the ball, and all three of them completely rose to the occasion right off the bat. Yeah. Adrian Amos and, and Zadarius Smith actually had had lunch this week, and Amos had told him, he's like, you know, I want to make a big play. As much as the narrative, as much as what the reporters and, and media wanted to make it about him returning to Chicago – facing his old team. Amos said it never was like that. And if you know him, if you get to know his personality, I can confidently say it wasn't about that. What he wanted to do is he wanted to prove to the Green Bay Packers, prove to Brian Gutekunst that they'd made the right investment in him. He wanted to make a big play. Yeah. This is a guy that was somewhat, you know, when you go back and look at it, there were some people that dogged on him a little bit because he only had three interceptions in his time in Chicago. He made play after play in that game. He helped coordinate that defense. And when it mattered most, 
him and Tremont Williams working in tandem with each other and overthrowing pass, Williams forcing Trubisky to you know throw a little bit more on it because he was underneath, and Amos is able to intercept you to play that those two had actually talked about on the sidelines based on something they'd seen earlier in the ballgame. Phenomenal from that perspective. Zadarius and Preston Smith, though, man, I don't know what more you can say about these guys. Six quarterback hits, two and a half combined sacks. They were in Mitchell Trubisky's face all night. And I, I tweeted this during the game. The pass rush benefits the secondary that benefits the pass rush. You saw a perfect marriage between those two principles. Yep. And Mike Pettin afterwards had a big, big smile on his face. And as we know, that's not something you're always going to see with the Packers <laughs> DC. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Pettin with, uh, with that big smile. And uh, hopefully uh, he's able to keep it here um, through this early part of the season because unfortunately the Packers offense was up against a pretty darn tough defense as well and it wasn't uh wasn't the prettiest debut at all for Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and this offense but um and quite frankly Wes boy that first quarter three straight three and outs minus 12 total yards couple sacks in there on third down I mean that first quarter was uh, was as ugly as it gets but all of a sudden that first offensive play of the second quarter kind of the double play action. You had a play action of a regular run, a play action of the jet sweep yeah. coming behind, and then, boom, you take the shot down the field with uh, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling in one-on-one coverage, makes the play 47 yards. A couple plays later, Packers go up-tempo. A couple plays later, they're in the end zone, and suddenly it's 7-3, to three. And it was as though it was as though the Packers defense said, "All right, we're good now. We got the lead. Here we go." Well, what spoke to me about this matchup is one, even though it was ten to seven or ten to three, and most of the game was seven to three. Right. It never felt like the Packers were in danger, if that's the right word. It just always felt like they were in control, even when the offense was having its issues, even when you know Trubisky would make a couple plays here or there, they build a little momentum. They'd always find the counterpunch to it. Looking at that series, though, that you're illustrating, the 47-yard pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you and I, we have a pretty good vantage point. It's not the great press box view, the best one in the league. <laughs> no. But that particular play, we did have a pretty good vantage point yeah. on it because you saw MVS coming free over the middle of the field. Aaron Rodgers got a bucket load of time to work with on it, connects with him 47 yards, and as you said, there's a quick pass to Mercedes Lewis, another quick pass to Devontae Adams. They catch De Chicago with 12 men on the field, and then there's a touchdown on a 50-50 ball or a 50-0 ball, I guess you could say, to Jimmy Graham, right. first one of the 100th season of the NFL. So this is uh, when you get the offense in rhythm and sync, I think that's what it looks like. The problem for the Packers in this matchup was trying to find that, but listening to Aaron Rodgers, and you were with him at the podium afterwards, it just seemed like he's pretty optimistic that this offense is going to be where it needs to be, is going to get to where it needs to be. And defensively, they have a chance right now that they can win these type of ball games if they absolutely have to. Yeah, and that that's the thing is, hey, look, it's September football. This is the new NFL. The preseason is not what the preseason was 10 or 15 years ago. This is what September football is in the NFL. Nobody's going to be polished, especially offensively. People don't play their starters. And even if they do, they're not 
facing real defense, the kind of defense you're going to face in the regular season. Nobody wants to put anything on film. These are the kind of games you're going to get in September. And quite frankly, it's all about, it's almost like survive in advance. It's yeah. like find a way to win enough games in September until you get your legs under you, you get your feet under you, and you can start to move ahead into into the meat of the schedule, so to speak. And you just got to get through these first few games and, and don't put yourself behind the eight ball record-wise. And, and getting a big win on the road against a division opponent, you got another division opponent coming into Lambeau Field next Sunday in week two. Got to get, got to get through these games somehow, and because uh, in, in the end they all count the same, even if you're not playing the same. If, if, if you understand yeah, I know what, what I'm saying, saying the, there. The thing is, though, is the Packers have had years where they started six and zero. Yeah, I, I would think even the year in which uh, Rogers got injured the first time with the collarbone, where they what four and two or four and one going into that might game have been, yeah, Minnesota. might have been four and one. But as you know, with this team, Mike, if, if you can't stay healthy, if things don't you know line up the right way in December, it's not going to matter. September, the way I've always looked at it, because you know for a while they they were kind of you know bludgeoning you know can you get off to a fast start? The importance of fast start. And don't get me wrong, that's critical if you're looking to get a bye. You need to be able to win three, four games right off the bat to put yourself in that position. But you always just got to keep yourself within the race, right? Yeah. You need to get two wins. You need to maybe steal that third yeah. one. You, you got to you got to stay in and not put yourself in a position where you're playing uphill yeah. starting in mid-October. You know, and right. and with the Packers now having five of their next six games at home after starting off with a division win against the defending NFC North champs, you know. Whether you're playing great on offense or not, I mean, if the defense can keep this going, whatever it takes, you got to make some hay here because uh, the road schedule, the second half of the season, things are going to change for this team. Absolutely, but to go into Soldier Field and an NFC North opponent, the defending division champion, and be able to get a victory like that, that's huge. And it's one of these things, too. We touched a little bit on the defense, but <clears throat> I was involved in the huddle with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith after the game. They're lockers together right next to each other Shocker. in the visiting locker room. Yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> but they both were talking. They, for about three minutes, they did their interviews in tandem. You know, Preston Smith said, well, Zadarius Smith was a captain for this game, and one of his big messages beforehand was, we want to shock the world. We want to show people that we can be a difference maker, be a dominant defense. And then over on the other side of it, Preston Smith said, we heard the outside noise. We're not listening to it. But you still hear it, you know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. that's still an ambient noise with people when they don't have high expectations for you. When there's been issues in the recent years trying to be able to put this all together with new parts, new draft picks, the Packers did that pretty seamlessly. So to them, they felt like they woke a lot of people up with this matchup. And then on the other side of it, as Kenny Clark was discussing afterwards, you know, they've been hearing, these second- and third-year guys on this defense have just been hearing about you know defensive liability and, and not being the one that's holding up their end of the bargain. This is a big moment for them. This yeah. is a huge confidence boost. That is the most overused cliche when it comes to professional sports is confidence. But in this particular case, you can't under overstate it because this has been a lot of guys on this returning defense have been punched in the mouth here the last few seasons. Yeah. When So when you listen to that locker room, as you mentioned, regardless of what happened with offense, defense, special teams, which had a solid night, there was just a really big fervor in there of confidence, of swagger, that I think it's been missing here, at least over the last year. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers went to the podium after the game. He certainly he took his share of the blame for the offensive struggles. Matt LaFleur did as well. Both of those guys, you know, they know it's it's back to the drawing board a little bit in the sense of uh in the sense of okay, that was that was not the opener they were hoping for. But Aaron Rodgers said, Hey, you know, this this team showed uh, you know, showed the nation that was watching that we've got a defense. That yeah. was that was the quote and and uh, 
Um, boy, I mean, every time it was interesting because we've seen in the past when the offense doesn't have a good game, Aaron Rodgers can be pretty sour at the podium and everything like that. Even after victories, sure. you know, he's he's such a he's such a perfectionist. He's such a competitor, and and he knows that so much is riding on how he plays. Every time at the podium last night, Wes, after the game, when Aaron Rodgers was talking about that defense, his face was just lighting up. Yeah. You know, like every time you'd see the smile, you'd see the eyes, you know, the eyebrows, everything. You you look at his facial expressions in that post-game press conference when he's talking about the defense, and he said it. It's just when you have a defense like that, from from the offensive perspective, what they feel they now have on the defensive side, it just gives – the quarterback a lot of confidence as to where this team can go. Now you still got to go out and play, you know, yeah. you still got to go out and win games and, and uh, the Packers are going to have Packers defense is going to have much, much bigger challenges than the bears offense, which, um, which quite frankly was, was a big dud and a big disappointment to, to their side of things. But, uh, um, but Aaron Rodgers is confident in where this team could go. And the other thing you've got to keep in mind, too, with this, Mike, Aaron Rodgers has been practicing against this defense, against this scheme, <laughs> against those point. unscouted looks for That's the last point. month and a half. And he had to go back every Wednesday or whatever day it was that he had to talk to the media and talk about, oh, I'm not playing in preseason games. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm focused on what we're doing and why he felt good when they got behind the closed practices with what the offense was doing. Because, Mike... Pettin's defense is complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's been looking at it. It's so tricky. when Rodgers is seeing these schemes, I bet you that he went out there last night pretty darn confident that that defense was going to look pretty darn good against Chicago because he's had a first-row seat to it yeah. for the last six weeks. Yeah, no doubt. So seeing those schemes and what Zadarius Smith had been doing in practice and Preston Smith late during the camp – you know, seeing how all these pieces mesh together, the Packers have had an idea for that. So I think in some regards it was sort of opening a presence in seeing, okay, NFL, this is what we're going to give you here. This is what we can do when we're at our best. Because as you said, there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be injuries. The Packers have a very tight rotation right now, it looks like. So you have to stay healthy. But when everything's clicking on the same cylinder – that defense is going to give you a chance to win, and it doesn't matter who the other opponent is. Yeah. Well, the other thing to remember about a game like this, because the final score was 10-3, to obviously it's a one-possession game, there were a lot of things that showed you just how slim the margins are sure. in the NFL. And this is what I wrote about a little bit in Insider Inbox, which I was doing, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> something like that, before I went to bed. But um, you, lo you look at certain moments, the – the shot play down the sideline to Allen Robinson and Tremont Williams very smartly and alertly gets him right when he's in midair and is able to shove him out of bounds because you don't have that force out rule anymore. The yeah. guy's got to get his feet in, and if and if you can knock the guy out of bounds, it's an incomplete pass. That would have been a first down in the red zone there, okay? And then you look at the uh, the replay challenge on the Taylor Gabriel catch down the sideline that was overturned. Now, a bad call in the field. Always good to have one timeout left, by the way. Yeah, Jeez. well, and that's what I was going to say, and I apologize for not remembering this reader's name, but this reader, and I posted it in the Insider Inbox column, had mentioned that uh, one thing to keep in mind there is that on the Packers' previous offensive series, Aaron Rodgers took a delay a game when the play clock ran yeah. down because the Packers only had one timeout left. He didn't burn it right there. 
And if he had burned it, if he if he had not say he had not remembered they only had one timeout left or something, and he calls it, Matt Lafleur doesn't have a timeout to challenge right. the Taylor Gabriel pass, which obviously was a potential momentum shifter and, and a game changer in and of itself. So, and what happened after that delay a game penalty too, like a twenty five yard pass to Robert Tanyan on right. a play in a series in which they ended up getting a field goal. So I mean, right, it went it went to set. second and thirteen, went yeah. from second and eight to second and thirteen, and then the big play to Tanya and gets him across the midfield. You're into scoring range. Another one I'll mention because you talked about Adrian Amos. Obviously, he's back in Chicago for his first game facing his former team. He makes the big play. Two minutes left in the end zone with the interception. Ha Clinton Dix knocks the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands on that scramble. Rodgers is fortunately able to recover it. But the story might have been Ha Clinton Dix sure. getting back at his old team and creating a, yeah. a turnover in a key moment. Now that I believe is in the second quarter, not two minutes left in right. the fourth quarter. But again, it's it's just uh, the the margin the margins are so slim. There is such a fine line between winning and losing in this game, and that's why, however you want to say, if you want to call it want to call it an ugly win, a tough slog, whatever you want to say, a win is a win is a win, as they say, and you just you don't apologize for anything in this right. league because that's just how it goes. Well, and it's easier to correct off a win than it is a loss. I mean, and the other thing is too. I mean, it's I've, a lot more fun certainly is, for right. the players. <laughs> I, you know, and, and my thing is too, and, and maybe some fans outside will disagree with me on this, but I, I don't classify that one as an ugly win. I've seen ugly wins. I I think you you know, and it goes both ways. You can win forty-two to forty-one. That's probably an ugly win. There's been some negative <laughs> stuff that's happened there. And we might see some of that in Week One here on Sunday sure. in the NFL. With if certain defenses that you know are, right. are not quite up to snuff, and the offenses are going to be ahead, and we might see a couple of shootouts, just the exact opposite of what we saw. But from my night. perspective, the reason I say that's not an ugly win is because there were so many things that did go right for the Packers in this game. You talked about how close the margin was of that matchup. It applies to special teams too. I was talking with J.K. Scott about this after the game. Yeah, the field position battle that that him and Pat O'Connell had to kind of wage there a little bit, and and Scott, for his credit was able to, you know, kind of go tit for tat with them there. And another play that I thought was really critical is you go to that last punt where the Bears are going to get one more crack at this thing to be able to try to drive the field. And J.K., he's sitting there looking at the line of scrimmage. The Bears are bringing everybody in for what appears to be a, like a, just an all-out punt block. The Packers were not anticipating having to squeeze their gunners in, but they did. He has to make a decision there if he wanted to go out of bounds or if he wanted to go down the field with it. He decides to go down the field with it. Just uncorks a 63-yarder that ends up getting brought back even farther after a holding penalty. Yeah, Tariq Cohen's making a Willie Mays over-the-shoulder right. catch because he has to he has to run back so far to find the ball. Yeah, and the fact that the Bears had to start that series, I think at the 14-yard line or whatever it is, yeah. flipping the field position, allowing the defensive line and the outside linebackers to pin their ears back. I I thought really low-key this was a solid performance from Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry too inside the trenches there. They didn't have another inside linebacker. It was just Blake Martinez, so a lot of three defensive line line fronts and they still didn't give up a carry of more than eight yards there were just so many little moments of this game that I think ultimately for whatever happened offensively and some of the the highs and lows of that aspect of it that Matt LaFleur can sit down and feel pretty darn good about how his team performed yeah well you you mentioned the special teams and we definitely need to touch on that a little bit more because yes there were a couple of penalties on the Packers special teams that affected field position but J.K. Scott had a few of those you know high pooch type kicks that were fair caught inside the 15 yard line a couple of them you know 10 yard line yeah. and better 
Um, and you mentioned the punt at the end of the game. I I had leaned over to you after in the fourth quarter after the Packers had kicked the field goal to go up ten to three. Cordrell Patterson standing in the end zone for that yeah. kickoff return. And you know, at that stage, with as much as the Bears' offense was struggling, if Patterson catches that ball like barely in front of the back of the end zone, he's coming out. He's taking right. a shot right there. Mason Crosby had an absolutely perfect kickoff, low-line drive to the left side of the Packers as they were running down the field, but was never in danger of the cool. pylon or going out, out of bounds. bounds. It, you know, it comes bounding in the end zone, and Patterson has no choice to, but to take the touchback it was absolutely perfectly the way you wanted to execute it and then obviously the last punt by jk scott the 63 yarder helped by a bears penalty to push them back and not give them any field position advantage at all some really big moments for the packers special teams. what i really love about patterson and you and i've been watching him now for five six years he still wanted to take that out, and I think if yes, he doesn't he did. bobble it in the end zone, he kind of muffed it He might have. He was totally going out. He, <laughs> you could just see by the way his feet were moving. He didn't care if it was a squib. He was still going to give it a shot. But, but that was the type of kickoff you had to kick right there, you absolutely and, and did. Crosby executed it perfectly. And the reason why he had a hard time picking up, the way it was kicked, the way it had been hitting the ground, it had bounced three or four times at that point. It, uh, it was exceptional. And that's why, again – when you look at the offense, there's going to be days, Mike, that things are not going to go exactly how you want them on special teams. Something's going to happen defensively. You're going to be challenged, and the offense is going to have to step up. Those different components of a team need to help the other components of the team. Yep. And in this particular case, it was defense and special teams that helped seal this one against what I get, I'm guessing will still be a very formidable NFC contender in 2019. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The Bears, for all the angst that there is in Chicago right now about their offense and Mitch Trubisky and everything like that, that Bears defense picked up right where it left yeah. off as far as I'm concerned. The one thing the Packers were able to do that they needed to do is they protected the ball. They didn't have any turnovers. The one turnover in the game was with two minutes left. Adrian Amos got it, and that was the big difference. And that was... 1-0 and for the Green Bay Packers. All right, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you please, on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers. For the team account, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.